Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. I am so excited about my guest today on the conversation about the men. Young Pueblo is someone who I discovered, like millions of other people did, on Instagram. His words, his insight, his wisdom just spoke to me in a very unique and profound way. And shortly after discovering his work, I became so curious about who this man was that was channeling such incredible insight. So I finally got to sit down with him and ask him questions about how he grew up. You know, who, who are you? <laughs> um, his real name is Diego, and he goes under the pen name of Young Pueblo. He has his latest book out called Lighter, which is a New York Times bestseller. If you know his work, then I know you're going to be fascinated to hear his story. And if you don't know his work, I hope this serves as an introduction to his really incredible and profound words, which have really impacted me in the most incredible way. I wanted to, to start and really understand a little bit about your background and how you grew up. So will you talk a little bit about your childhood and parents and just how you grew up? Yeah, definitely. So um, so I was born in Ecuador, but I came to the United States with my family uh, when I was about four years old and we moved to Boston. Um, when we got to Boston, so it was just me, my mom and dad and my brother. Um, I also have a sister who was born um, later on. And but those sort of first, you know, six years um, between like four and 10 years old, 
Um, I was very fortunate to have uh, a, mo a mother and father that were, they're just great people. Um, they're very generous, they're very kind to others, but our struggle was that we just grew up very poor. Um, so my dad, he worked in supermarkets and my mom cleaned houses. So we, you know, our family took a great risk to come to the United States. And it was a risk that, that did pay off for us because um, my brother, my sister, and I, we all benefited so much from being schooled in, in the United States. But, um, but the structural poverty that we went through was incredibly difficult and it put a lot of pressure on my parents. So I grew up thinking, kind of wondering if my parents were right for each other because they were always fighting. Um, but what I didn't realize until I was older was like they actually profoundly love each other. And now that they don't have that same um, that same money pressure on them as before, because my brother, my sister, and I, you know, we take care of ourselves. We can support them, so they have less tension around money. Um, they they just have so much more love flowing between the two of them. But a lot of that was just like stress that they had trying to make it by like month by month. And in that makes sense. And removing that stress, it's interesting. You've been able to observe how connected and how much love there is there when that stressor was removed. So much love. And like now you can tell their love is deep. It's profound. And they're still developing their connection between the two of them. Um, but those outside factors make a huge difference. They really do. And I, I would I would feel that um, that stress of poverty just kind of like crushing into our house. Mm hmm. And what kind of teenager were you? Um, yeah, I think pretty typical, you know, like I had like um, my friend group um, that lived in the neighborhood and at school and I would just, I would hang out, I would see them. Um, I wasn't too like mischievous or anything like that. I wasn't like getting into trouble. Um, I would spend a lot of time uh, at church because we had like a really beautiful community there. I grew up Roman Catholic and um, and I was even an altar server and all of that. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed learning and reading. And um, yeah, I think I had a pretty good time. I think I was a little more daring when I was like in high school. That's when I was really trying to like push the boundaries. When you say daring, what did that look like? I think like um, just like testing my, my parents by like staying out much later than I normally you know, should be or um, just like going out way too often and um, and kind of just like trying to feel what it may be like to be an adult by just mm -hmm. like staying out till like three in the morning or four in the morning and then, you know, my mom being pretty upset. But um, but generally she wasn't like she wouldn't get like too, too upset with me because like I had my grades in order. And um, and as I, you know, as I got older in high school, there was a point when I was um, a sophomore um, that I realized that I did want to go to college um, because I knew that I needed to be able to help myself and my family and college seemed like the best avenue for that. So I started doing even better in school, like my junior and senior year. So and what did you want um, to study at college? Um, economics. That was what I ended up getting my, my degree in. Um, I knew that I wanted to like I knew economics was the language of power um, that like, you know, business people and politicians, financial literacy. Sort of, yeah. Who mold the world. They, they speak through economics and those are the parts of the newspaper where like, I didn't really understand what was being said. Mm -hmm. um, so I always found it very interesting because it mixed in like history and, um, and yeah, I thought it was valuable to learn. 
I'm just trying to understand because generally someone that has the level of insight that you have has had a polarizing experience that's given them this perspective. So I'm wondering, would you say that you have one of those or at what what at what point did you realize that you connected with words and that you had an ability to to it's almost channel words, right? It's it's like where where did this skill come from? Um, I think it was developed over time, you know. I, I attribute it all to just like meditating consistently, to meditating daily. So my big crash where I kinda um, started realizing how I was totally moving in the in the wrong direction was um, like when I got into college, I was so outside of my element and I had already had these pretty deep patterns of like sadness and anxiety that I kind of just like grew up with um, and that got also exacerbated by um, knowing that we were constantly struggling while I was young, knowing that we were constantly struggling by money. So that just helped increase my attachment. Um, you mean your attachment to, to the patterns? Yeah, my attachment to the patterns and my attachment in general to like whatever I wanted because I, I felt like I was sort of drowning in scarcity. Mm, that scarcity it was mindset. Like love or food or like, um, you know, I would just like cling to whatever helped me get any sense of security. Um, and when I got to school, when I got to college, um, I think uh, those patterns just became stronger. And then I started kind of, basically running away from any type of discomfort or pain that I would feel in my mind by like running into pleasure and just trying to like cope myself in it and, you know, constantly partying, constantly drinking, constantly like smoking, doing different types of drugs. And, um, and that kind of slowly snowballed into like me becoming incredibly unhealthy, um, having really terrible relationships with like my friends and uh, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, um, would you have and, called your described yourself as an addict at that time? You were using addictively. Um, I was using constantly, but what was interesting was that like I was in an environment where like you know I was in school and like everyone was using everything, and um, and I think in that particular moment I didn't sort of stand out from the bunch. Um, but now when I look back on it, yeah, I was like probably drinking and smoking. I was smoking every day, but I was drinking like. Um, from like Wednesday to like Sunday. So that's a lot. Um, and the partying was intense. You know, I would stay out to like, to like seven, eight in the morning. And, um, and I wasn't like doing too great in school. And, um, you know, when I graduated, I just felt like exhausted. But then there was this part in me, it was like, wow, well, I, I thought the partying was going to be over once I graduated. But I kept seeking out more and more. And, um, and then there was the summer of 2011 where I just like hit that wall and like felt like I was dying. Like I remember speaking to a, a doctor later on describing to her what I felt and she was like, oh, it sounds like you had a really mild heart attack. Mm. And, um, and I was like, shoot, like I really felt like I was dying. What did that feel like emotionally for you at that time? Um, in that moment? Not specifically that, that moment, but just that time. period of time where you, it culminated in you meeting with that doctor and describing how you felt? Yeah, I felt like, um, I just felt very like lost. I remember feeling trapped in this, um, it almost felt like Groundhog's Day where I was like repeating the same thing over and over. Like again, I was smoking. I was like so tired of it. Again, I was like 
looking for a party and just doing the same stuff. Um, but then when my body said like, literally like no more, like can't handle it, we're gonna break. Um, and I was, you know, laying on the ground there, um, just crying and basically trying to like pray myself back into existence. Um, I just realized how much I had steered in the wrong direction. And I had, um, you know, I kept thinking about how my parents like sacrificed so much for, for us to come over here and how hard they had worked. And I didn't want to just like kind of blip out of existence without having, you know, I don't know, without having like lived up to like, um, to what they gave me and made be best use of it, you know, cause they weren't putting any particular pressures on me or anything like that, but I just wanted to use the gift they gave to me and like use it well. Um, but when I spoke to the doctor after that, you know, I had already committed to stop doing like all hard drugs. Like I wasn't going to do like, you know, pills and Coke and all that stuff. I was just going to put it all aside. Um, and it was working. And I spoke to the doctor and she was like, yeah, um, you know, you had this like mild heart attack and, um, and, but she wasn't too much help either. So um, I kind of just took it on my, you know, on my own to start building better habits, to start like going to the gym, to start eating better, like, to, you know, add nutrition into my diet. And um, it was like a slow, slow progress. But um, after like six, seven, eight, nine months, I felt a lot better. And at that point, what were you, you had made some substantial changes in your life. Were you still thinking you were going to have some kind of career in economics? Yeah, yeah. I still thought I was going to like, uh, you know, go into finance. And, um, and it was, I was fortunate that um, it was like a really bad economic period when I, I graduated. So I graduated in 2010 and I was like still looking for a job in 2011 and there wasn't much out there that I found really interesting. And, you know, I tried working in a bank for like, um, like a month and a half and it was just miserable. Um, so those doors were just not opening up for me. And I then, um, I did my first meditation retreat, um, in, I think it was June, I'm sorry, no, July of 2012. And what and kind of meditation was retreat a, was that? So that was a Vipassana meditation um, taught by S.N. Goenka. It's like a Burmese style of meditating. Um, and it's the type of retreat where it just focuses on the purification of the mind. So, you know, essentially the idea is that every time you react, there are imprints created in the subconscious of your mind that basically um, put you into situations where you're constantly repeating those old patterns again and again you're like just repeating your past over and over but when you go meditate you know they teach you to be aware of your breath to be aware of the body and by you being able to be present um it helps you just start like i'll, I'll start all of that unbinding basically because like your mind's all knotted up and um yeah and is that when words first started coming to you how did you make the transition from I'm going to be working in economics in some capacity to <laughs> going to this first meditation retreat to realizing, oh, no, there's something for me here. Yeah. So after the first meditation retreat, which was incredibly difficult. I'll um, bet. How many I, days was it? Yeah, it was 10 days, totally silent. And you had and never done um, meditation before. No, there was just one time where my wife and I, we... Um, we like just sat down to meditate for 20 minutes and we did nothing. Like we didn't, we didn't know what to do, had no direction. 
I love that you were so ambitious that you said, I'm doing a 10-day meditation retreat. Yeah, honestly, like uh, the idea of even retreats, like even like wellness in general, we're talking 2012. Um, no, it, it was, was not. It was not. Developed. Definitely not. Yeah. People, people were like, they weren't even really talking about self-love, you know, which was one of those like first ideas that social media kind of grabbed onto. But that was like self-love was really hitting the hitting social media in like 2015. Um, those were and, still the years that if you said you went to therapy, people thought you were crazy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So when I was going into meditating, I just knew that my one of my really close friends, one of my best friends, he went and he started talking about love, compassion and goodwill. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, he has never talked to me about this before. And I knew like, whatever he had gotten, I needed some of that too. Mm -hmm. And um, when I went in there, you know, I did, I ended up getting sort of the same, like my mind felt so much lighter. It was so much easier to be um, present with what I was feeling in myself without having the need to run away and to just kind of be kinder to the people around me. Um, but after that first course, I did have this like tiny little poem just pop into my mind. Um, I think it goes, um, love is a unity. Um, fuller when shared, perfect when given. And, mm. um, and I was, I never put it into a book or anything like that. Um, but I remember writing that right after the retreat, but I didn't um, keep writing. And it wasn't until I did like my third retreat um, where I really felt like, you know, like the healing is real. Like something's happening. Like you feel better. You're not delusional. Like this is actually real. Like this is legit, though, you know, <laughs> Yeah, this is legit. And what you, what you were saying, right? Like, I grew up in a way where if something was wrong with your mind or your body, you were going to have to deal with it the rest of your life. And there was no way to, to heal it. So having this experience and seeing that healing was actually real, um, I was really inspired by it. And I wanted to write about the fact that healing was real and to just like share, you know, reflective pieces that, um, that I was sort of processing in that moment. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. 
So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. So you started writing, and at what point did you decide that you were able to share words that other people connected with? Because your words explain concepts with such a beautiful simplicity that people who are at the beginning, who maybe haven't even started their recovery journey, their recovery of self, your words have impact for those people as well as people who have been in self-reflection work for a very long time, like myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what's incredible to be able to speak to so many different people who are at different stages in their life. Do you um, refine the words or do they come to you in in a kind of complete form? Uh, Both. Um, Like sometimes they'll just totally appear and it'll be, you know, maybe I'll change like one word Um, or none at all. And I'll share it as is. And other times I'm sort of just reflecting on what I'm learning or what I'm seeing around me. And um, I've always, you know, I always wanted to, to just combine what I'm writing with minimalism, like whether it's like an essay or whether it's a small piece, like often I'll, if I'm crafting something, um, I'll just like, just chip out words that are unnecessary and try to make it really 
sort of um, streamlined so that, you know, if, if someone connects with the message, then fantastic. Because um, to me, the, the medium is less important. What's more important is like what I'm trying to say, the message itself. Um, so like whether it's poetry or prose or whatnot, it doesn't really matter. It'll just come out the way it needs to come out. But I guess my point is, is that it's a real skill to be able to communicate an intention and a message to such a wide cross section of people. And has that been surprising to you? Um, yeah, it has been surprising. I mean, I've, I think, you know, most people when they go out into social media, they'll be able to find one niche or another. Um, but watching it grow over time, I mean, I, I even checked my numbers this morning and I was like, this is ridiculous. This is like, you know, not anything I could have really imagined. Um, but what was interesting was like, even what you, it reminded me, you know, and I don't say this often, but when I write and when I started writing and even now I try to write for people who have never meditated before, for people who have never seen a therapist. Like I'm, I'm hoping that I can position my writing in a way where it's like a gateway into self-awareness so that people can, you know, even if it's at the intellectual level, because like a lot of healing is, is done at the level of feeling, like being able to feel what's actually happening inside of you, but even to help you conceptualize yourself in a different way at the intellectual level is still incredibly valuable. And can be pretty life-changing so yeah i try to help people reflect um in a way that builds their self-awareness yeah i mean it's fascinating for me to you know i've read both of your books i think i've probably read your newsletters and you oh, know thank you. yeah thank the you newsletter, the newsletters are fun <laughs> i love them um but yeah. what's interesting is that everyone who i've shared your work with has the same feeling which is oh this was written for me this speaks to me, mm. you know, and that's why I've been struck mm. by how many people are able to personalize your work. And that, again, is such a gift and probably why you're seeing your social numbers exploding because such a wide cross section of people are connecting with your work. Um, how is it for you when you're out in the world and people or do people? Be, OK, let's rephrase this. Why do you go under the name Young Pueblo and not Diego? Oh, so it gives me a bit of anonymity. Um, it just helps me just live a pretty regular life. The, uh, pretty rarely some people will recognize me, but it's it's quite rare um, because I don't really promote my face. You know, you can see my little like icon in, in um, on Instagram, but it's like a tiny little picture. And um, but usually I just, you know, it's really about the message. So I just I just put up what I'm writing and not I don't share parts of my life or things like that. I mean, I'll, sh I'll share occasionally little parts of my life if I'm like, you know, with a friend or, or something like that, or I'm on a trip, but um, I keep like, you know, probably 90% of my life totally private. Yeah, I was looking for, you know, for when I was researching you, and I found it interesting that you're married a very long time, as indeed am I, probably why mm -hmm. all of your, your work on relationships resonate so deeply with me personally how long are you married for uh, it's been a while now so my wife and I we got married when um, I think I was 27 and she um, she was 25 and now we're yeah so I think it's like six years six seven years um, and it's funny I, I, I like our relationship really started when she was 18 and I was 19. So we've been together for quite a long time. Well, and, um, your and adult we life. Together, 
yeah we like grew up together um but yeah so that's why like you know marriage is totally valuable and very critical but it feels like we've been together for a very long time a lot of the things that you talk about specifically um i was reading my husband some of the the pieces that you write about relationships last night and i was thinking man it is really challenging to walk the talk all the time and and i was you know a lot of the things that you write are also kind of the goal right the goal would be to be able to live this way and yet most of us are nowhere close to being able to live in that way and it's quite idealized in many ways you're really staying in the the optimum goal as opposed to the deficit and the negativity and the looking at the glass as half full as opposed to half empty. And I'm wondering how you navigate that in your own life. Do you ever feel like, okay, I have this, this insight with these words and these messages, but I'm not living, I can't live up to this myself all the time because you're also a human being having a spiritual experience. So I wondered about that for you. Do you ever feel like this is idealized for me as well? This is the goal for me too, but I'm not there either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are definitely moments where I'll write something and it's something that maybe I can do a few times, um, but it's like an aspiration. It's a goal. And I think uh, it's quite valuable to be able to find a balance between acceptance and your aspirations. Mm. Like there's nothing wrong with like having these higher goals of like where you would like to see yourself grow into, like how you you would like to see yourself develop, like knowing that if you start intentionally cultivating particular characteristics that it will add to the harmony and happiness of your life. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, you don't want to be like beating yourself up or thinking yourself, thinking that you're, you know, doing wrong when, when you sort of hit those moments where you just simply have to accept yourself. You know, this is where I'm at right now. And being able to find that balance between the two, it just helps you keep going and keep growing. Um, But yeah, I find that all the time in my relationship where my wife and I, we, we try our best to be, you know, kind and selfless to each other and supportive of each other and to meet each other in the middle, but it doesn't work all the time. Um, And sometimes there are like, you know, difficult moments, but I think what helps us the most, and this is something I try to hammer away at, and I'll repeat myself over and over, but I think it's so important. It's like, if you have an inner practice and you're developing your personal self-awareness and you're developing your own healing, like that's the key, key thing that's going to propel your relationship into sort of greater, greater harmony, because there's always going to be these moments of conflict But if you're able to take those moments of conflict as an opportunity to understand each other, like, let me really try to take in your perspective and then you take in mine and see how we can move forward together, then that'll build a future harmony for the two of you. But um, I really attribute um, the, because look, my wife and I, our, our relationship before we started meditating was just chaotic. Like it was a hurricane. Um, and now there's like, you know, each year as it passes by, like we both meditate daily, we both go to retreats. Um, there's more and more harmony because we're able to see ourselves better as individuals. Mm. Do you think it's possible for unconditional love to exist outside of a sibling child relationship? Yeah, definitely. 
um yeah i've met some like some pretty pretty wise people um who will you know they'll they're they they do not want anything from you besides for you to be happy and they're not going to rush you into happiness or anything like that but they're just going to support you and love you as best as they can um also like monks you know i, I know monks in the western world they're not very um like well understood but like i've met you know i met a monk the other day and i was like man this guy is beaming like mm. beaming love and it's beautiful okay well maybe i should have rephrased that as do you think that you can unconditionally love your partner i think in moments you know i think like ultimate unconditional love we're talking like high level stuff like to consist to consistently be able to live in that degree of selflessness we're talking like you know, Jesus and the Buddha. Exactly. Know, and yeah, yeah. But that's possible. That's possible for the human being. It takes a lot of evolution, but in our relationships, there can definitely be plenty of moments of unconditional love. Yeah. Moments of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. I was reading one of the things that you've written, and I wish I, I had the book by the side of my bed because I was reading it to my husband last night, but it was about unconditional love and loving your partner's old pa patterns mm -hmm. and I was thinking oh, I do not love my partner's old patterns they cause me such grief <laughs> I don't know that I could love them and I was thinking well it's your resistance to them that's causing more conflict if I accepted them and accepted that as being part of him there would be less conflict yeah. but I was definitely thinking is it even possible to unconditionally love someone that isn't your child, if it is your partner where all of our stuff gets activated, as you know, right? It's like, you think, I always felt like I was doing, I was, you know, quite solid in my recovery until something happens in my relationship. But then I'm like, oh no, I have a lot of work to do. Being yeah, in yeah. an intimate love relationship is where the the pieces of me that are kept in the dark cannot the light cannot get shone on them until I'm in that dynamic. It's for me been an incredible opportunity to grow and heal is in that love lover relationship. Yeah, I mean they're incredibly difficult because they like those close relationships like you you know building a home and a life with someone that you are intentionally deciding like this is my family now this person is my family and we're going to ride this together as best as we can um there is that like acceptance of the individual in their imperfect state and i think that's something that's really powerful in relationships is like that i can love you for who you are you know the messy side and the amazing side all of it together but because you know I am taking my personal work seriously. Hopefully that may inspire you to take your own inner work seriously and not like me trying to rush you or push you or anything like that. But because like I'm trying to better myself as an individual, hopefully it'll spark that same light in you. And um, my wife and I, we both had moments where like, you know, she was ready to stop drinking first. And I wanted, I, I had an aspiration, like I wanted to stop drinking too, because I wasn't getting anything from it. Um, and, but she was ready before I was, and it took me, you know, a few more months and then eventually things kind of clicked together for me. And I was like, cool, I dropped it and, um, and no pressure from her. She was just living her life and living that role model, you know, like she was like being like my role model in that moment, how 
she was still able to have fun and live her life and, you know, be a joy without um, having to intoxicate herself. And when it clicked for me, I like was able to let it go. But similarly, when I decided that I want to start, I wanted to start meditating every day, um, I was ready to do that before she was. And I, you know, just took it seriously for many months. And then after I think like seven months, she felt in herself without me pushing her that she wanted to do it as well. And um, she started meditating daily too. And we started doing that together. But it's pretty difficult, but also beautiful that people, they grow at their own speeds. And that's probably one of the hardest parts of relationships is that you can't control someone's, yeah, someone's growth speed. And you can't control in which direction they grow. And part of their growth may be away from you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's tough because there's always that possibility. And the fear of that is what prevents a lot of people from encouraging their partner to grow. Really? Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that thing is always there, right? Like, um, I think a lot, a lot of the suffering that we have in our minds is our rejection of impermanence. Like we see a good moment, we build a family, we, we, we like uh, uh, the particular We take a bet on it. Pieces, yeah, that the pieces of our life are set up and then we want that to remain forever. But that's just utterly impossible. Like at some, in some way or another, even if you live a beautiful life for decades with your partner, like, you know, death will come at some point. And that's like really scary to people or a breakup will come and someone will want to like grow in a different direction. Um, but the reality is that like the most beautiful moments, like they're temporary too. And really, really knowing that and being okay with that takes a lot of internal work. I mean, do you ever feel like, oh my God, I just would like to not have to work so hard for my state of mind, my state of being, my well-being, or is it is it not such a heavy lift for you anymore? Because I know for me, I definitely mm. have periods of time where I'm like, I mean, I, I stopped drinking. I got sober at 22. So I've spent nice. the majority of my life now, you know, yeah. sober. And everything that goes with sobriety and recovery and emotional sobriety and awareness and self-care and all of it. Um, and sometimes I have moments where I'm like, oh my God, this, there's a lot I have to do every day just to like keep myself non-reactive, detached yeah. with love, compassionate, you know? And I wonder if you have days like that. Yeah, there are definitely more difficult days than others. Um, Cause like I, I meditate in a tradition that's meant for like, you know, total mental purification. And even though it's a long road, a long journey, um, to be, you know, totally free like that. It, um, there are days where, you know, you're, you're meditating and then things come up that are, you know, some old sadness or some old anxiety or some, you know, whatever it could be some fear. And then you're just like, this heaviness is kind of moving through you. Um, and realizing that, okay, like, I don't need to fully identify with this heaviness. I can just, um, observe it, you know, feel it and just let it pass through me. Um, but those moments become really quite difficult. But I don't think, um, I feel fortunate that meditating has allowed me to gain that constant stability. Like I have these two pillars in my day that help me reconnect with my ability to be equanimous, to not react, to just observe reality as it is. So I'm constantly 
allowing myself the opportunity to receive that mental training that supports um, my happiness. You, know? you said two pillars. One is meditation. What's the other one? Oh, I, I meant the two pillars of my day being like that. I meditate in the morning and I meditate in the evening. Mm. And is it, mm -hmm. so the meditation that you practice is this Burmese meditation? Yeah, it's called Vipassana. Okay, yes. Vipassana mm -hmm. is where people don't speak, right? Yeah, yeah, it's silent. Silent. <laughs> You're like, yes, that's a very silent. basic way of <laughs> yeah. describing it, but... <laughs> it's silent, no phone, no technology. I mean, I'm about to go to a retreat, and I love that moment when, um, you know, they... Um, every, the, your, your valuables are kept in like a lockbox safely so that, you know, you don't have to worry about anyone. Like you don't have to worry about them at all. You know, someone taking them or anything like that. Don't you miss um, your wife? You don't speak to her for 45 days. She's meditating too. So she's on, you know, in the other side in the same retreat. Um, we don't see each other and we don't communicate with each other, but in, for those 45 days, we're basically, you know, just totally completely working on ourselves and doing that deep unbinding work of that those old patterns how is the moment when you see each other after you haven't seen each other for 45 days do you cry oh it's quite celestial it like um it feels like a, a stunning amount of pleasure to even like see her physically like see her and talk and and it, because you're so sensitive you know after such a long period it is um like you can clearly feel the sensations kind of like rippling through your body and you're like wow but you feel that connection. And I think it's, it's, um, I actually feel fortunate that I even get the opportunity to miss her, you know, because I think a lot of times in relationships, like we get together and then we like, never leave each other's side, but um, it helps me like have those moments away from each other where I can, you know, just remember like, yeah, I constantly choose to be with this person. Like I love this person. If I were to live another life, I hope that I meet her as fast as possible so that we can just not waste any time and continue growing and developing together. But um, I think it's beautiful that we have those moments away from each other because we come back and we like actively try to love each other better. That's a really great point you bring up. I remember my husband saying to me, especially in the pandemic, uh, where we've all been at home for, you know, three yeah, years at this point, yeah. my husband said to me, he's going away for a month to make an album. And he said, it's going to be great to miss you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when they miss you like that, they come back and they love you so good after that. It's so true. It's so true. What's your yeah. wife's name? Sarah. Sarah. Gosh, I'm really curious to meet her. What does she do for she's a job? She's, she's, she's a lot better than me. Um, That's often the case. She's... I'm sorry to say when I meet people's <laughs> wives, I'm like, you were great until I met your wife. And now your wife is where it's at it's, for me. And it's totally my it's totally people's experience. I'm like, you think I'm cool? Like she's way cooler. She's yeah, I want to meet Sarah. Her. What does Sarah do? <laughs> she's a scientist. Um, she's been a scientist. What? For, yeah, yeah. She designs experiments um, and like clinical studies and whatnot. She's not a scientist with a lab coat. She just will she's like in an office, like designing these things. And then the experiments will get kind of sent out and done in other labs. Wow, Sarah. So she's really, really smart. Oh my gosh. And and on, on the side, she's my manager. So she helps me like make all my business decisions and all that stuff because I really- Oh yeah. wait, I'm on the she's email the, with Sarah. Yeah, she's the boss. She's, yeah. <laughs> okay, now I now I have more information. Okay, I love it. 
Hi, it's Bethany Frankel. My time on The Real Housewives of New York is a few years behind me, and now I'm ready to put the real back into The Real Housewives. That's where my new podcast, Rewives, comes in. This isn't your typical rewatch podcast. I'm watching only the most iconic episodes from all cities. I'm sharing never-before-heard stories of what happened behind the scenes. And I'm not just pulling in cast members for post-game analysis. I'm doing something a little more interesting. If you've ever seen an episode of The Real Housewives, you know the drill. But beyond throwing drinks and legs, there are lessons about marriage, divorce, friendship, money, parenting, and fame. If you have the right minds, analyze and dig deeper. So I'm bringing on unexpected thought leaders and celebrities to give their take on the chaos. This season, I sit down with Elizabeth Moss, Kevin Nealon, Susie Orman, Griffin Johnson, and more. You'd think that there isn't much to learn from flipping tables tables and yanking wigs, but that's where you're wrong. Listen to Rewives with Bethany Frankel on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&M's by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. 
Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. So the book that you recently put out, I have read it a couple of times, and I'm wondering, do you feel ready to do a new book? How do you know when it's time for you to do another one? Are you constantly downloading, and then you organize with the, the lens that you want to present it, or how does it work? Um, yeah, I'm, I've recently just finished the manuscript for my third book, and um, and I... I just kind of like, I go by, I like really strictly try to follow my intuition now. Um, and I feel like I should write a few more books. And I think I'm probably going to, yeah, write a few more. And then I'm probably just going to take a long break. Because um, I, I don't want to get caught into a, into a situation where I'm constantly writing. Um, but I don't have something to say. So mm. I want to make sure that I have something clear to say. Like, I don't want to write 80 books, you know, like I, I want to write like a solid like eight, eight or nine or maybe less, you know, um, if I really have something to say. Is there anything that you haven't done that you want to do? Um, like in general or in writing? I mean, with your work, is there an area where you would like to have impact or an area that you would like to reach or some space that you want to be involved in that you're not? Yeah, there's one there's one space that I actually just kind of got into. Um, so myself and Jack Cornfield and um, a few other friends, we decided to build a fund um, that is specifically to help um, fund entrepreneurs and platforms that have the well-being of the user in mind. So that means not necessarily that they're well-being companies, but that whatever it is that they do, you know, whether it's like a new Instagram or a new type of social media platform, that they create something fun for human connection, but they are not abusing your mind in any way. They're not using their algorithms to make you more addicted. They're not trying to like uh, manipulate you in particular ways that happens now. So we're, um, it's, it's really funny. So it's like this group of people, you know, um, who all have like, their own meditation practices and um, we've kind of come together to basically try to help that evolution for the next generation of platforms. I love that you're doing that and it is so needed. It's so needed. It's 
huge need. Yeah. I mean, the series that I do, the conversation of which this is the podcast version, I did as a TV series, um, which was on 18 different networks around the world. And we also have a platform. And, you know, when you come from the concept from for the conversation came from my recovery, wanting to be of service and knowing that if I, whatever I did in the world, I had to be rooted in service. I just wrap it with an entertainment wrapper so that it's like, I always joke yeah. and I say, it's like a, a Twix bar with a vegan protein inside so that people <laughs> don't realize that they're getting, you know, it's got, it's got mm -hmm. a sort of entertainment appeal to it, but that the core of it, what I'm talking to everyone about is, is tools and solutions and life experiences that actually give people more than what they showed up with and trying yeah. to run a business and having an entertainment platform that is centered in being of service. There just isn't a, there isn't a model for that, you know, and it, yeah. and I think it, yeah. it definitely is so needed. So I'm so excited to hear that you're doing that. Yeah, I think it's fun. And it's funny. Um, I'm really glad that, you know, what it's like uh, 12 years later after getting my economics degree, I can kind of look at this world of business through the lens of compassion that I've been cultivating like avidly through, you know, all these um, years of meditating now. And um, it's fun. I hope that we're able to kind of, um, set things up to show like models of good business you know where it's like okay like yeah we want to create something cool something fun but at the same time like we want to minimize hurt as much as possible mm. we don't want to hurt people anymore right we want to be able to um support people in human connection keep them intact without yeah without abusing their minds in any way Oh my gosh i want to learn more about that because i'm really curious to know about your fund i feel like i could help you with your fund on that because there yeah, are yeah. people it, yeah. there are people who are really interested in that who would like to put money into that it's mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. so needed it really is yeah, yeah and look at that exciting. your economics yeah. your economics background is getting <laughs> gonna get put to use yeah yeah i think it'll be quite fun and um and it's cool seeing like that you know the different people like we're working with this great person like uh uh Bradley from um, from Google and my my friend Soren and this like mega boss Cecily who like runs this like billion dollar crypto firm and like we're kind of just like all coming together around this idea of compassion and we're like okay like how can we really make a big change and try to um, serve the world in a way that's going to make a big impact and that's something that got me really excited about my Young Pueblo work originally was like wow like you know, knowing like if this does take off, the potential impact is really big. But then I started thinking, I was like, wow, can you imagine if we were able to create healthy platforms like and people use them? That that impact would be huge. Yeah. You know? So hopefully we're able to serve people well. Well, I'm excited to see what you do with that. I'm excited to learn more about that. And I'm excited for my community and my audience around the world to learn about you. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been like one of the best conversations I've had in a long time. Oh, thank really you. Grateful. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I'm so, I was so excited to talk to you 
Um, you know, the people on my team are funny. They're like, I've I've been interviewing people since I'm 15 years old. And so it's been my job my whole life. Um, and, um, not that I take it for granted or I'm blase about people that I interview, but I was so excited to talk to you because I have immense respect for the work that you do and the impact of your words. And so I was really looking forward to it. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been an, an incredible joy having this moment. Thank you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to reuse hotels and resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.